Good morning. It's always, always a pleasure to be with this class. Um, I affectionately, affectionately refer to this class as the Marathon Mafia. And I mean that in the best sense of the word, if there is a best sense of the word. Number one, every time I come to this class, I feel like I'm coming home to family. You guys, over the years, I've been coming to this class for over a decade, and you guys treat me like family. The second reason I refer to you as that is whenever marathoners come to one of our events, they come in clumps. So I'll go out, like at one of our dinners, I'll go out and look out the door, and here come the marathoners, all in one clump. They've all coordinated. Here they come. And the third reason is uh, God has raised up several from this class that have blessed our ministry. Board members, committee members, staff members, volunteers, champions, and we are just so thankful for what God continually does in this class as well as what you guys have done for Avantel. And quite fr frankly, there are many in this class who have meant a great deal to me personally, who I have been able to go to for counsel, for wisdom, and for even dark days that I've experienced. I'm so thankful to be here with you during this change of seasons. Now, I don't know if you've looked at your calendars, but it's technically fall, but you wouldn't know it from the temperatures outside. It's still hot, but I can assure you the days are getting shorter, the nights are getting longer, and if you notice, the shadows are beginning to lengthen. We're heading into a darker season. Now, for some of you, you absolutely love that. You love the cool down. You love to put on your sweater when you go outside. You love to get by the fire. And you love your pumpkin spice latte. I refer to those people as the pumpkin spice people. You don't hear about pumpkin spice in the spring or in the summer, but when fall comes, here comes the pumpkin spice. And I've seen the latte. I've seen pumpkin spice ice cream shakes and cereal so there i don't know what it is about pumpkin spice i've never had it myself but for some of you you just absolutely love this time of year and i like it to a degree i'll tolerate it until january 2nd and then i'm ready for spring but regardless if you love fall or or don't like fall the bible tells us that god is the one who designed the seasons that he is the one that designed summer and spring, but also the darker seasons of fall and winter. The psalmist declares to the Lord in Psalm 74, Lord, the day is yours, but also the night. You established the sun and the moon. You set the boundaries of the earth and you made both summer and winter. And we see that God is the one who made these seasons, both seasons of light and seasons of darkness. And he not only designed them, he had designed the seasons for a purpose, even the dark seasons. And we see this in nature. Um, scientists tell us that the darkness and the increase in darkness triggers a response in plants and crops where they stop growing above the surface 
and they channel their energy to grow and strengthen their roots and to form bulbs during the fall and the winter to prepare for the harvest. It also says that it signals plants to start storing energy for the next year. And it also is a time if things work well for the pest and the mosquitoes and all the stuff that eats the plants to die off. The bottom line is that without a dark season, next, year, next year's harvest would not be as fruitful. But not only are there dark seasons on the calendar, there are dark seasons in our spiritual lives as well. Now, when I say dark season in your spiritual life, I'm not talking about where you are willfully sinning or you're drifting from God. You know, God calls us to walk in the light as he is in the light. So I'm not talking about walking in darkness of sin. What I'm talking about are those times when you are right in the center of God's will. You're right where you're supposed to be, yet things aren't going the way you thought they would go. Anybody can relate to that? If you're human, you should be able to relate to it. Not only sometimes do they not go the way we thought they would go, they may go worse than we thought. And not only that, when we try to get answers from the Lord sometimes and we say, Lord, why is this happening? We don't need necessarily get those answers immediately. And sometimes we feel like God may be intentionally keeping us in the dark as to why things are happening the way they're happening. Anybody feel that way? And you, you, I would say so. You're, you're either, you've either been through a dark season, you're in a dark season, or you're uh, just coming out of a dark season, or you're getting ready to go into one. He designs them uh, for a purpose. And just like there's a purpose in the seasons on the calendar that we've just discussed, let me say, if you're in the middle of God's will and you're in a dark season, God has a purpose for your dark season as well. Um, throughout Scripture, we've seen God's men and women go through dark seasons. Uh, who can name one or two? Paul went through a dark season, thrown in prison, persecuted. Anybody else? Job? Yeah, and did Job get answers immediately? No, the majority of the book, he was in the dark. And you know, even at the end when God showed up, he still partially was in the dark. Anybody else got one? How about one at the end of Genesis, a big one? Joseph. Joseph had the promise, you know, that one day he would rule. But Joseph had no idea of the dark times that he was going to face. How about the writer of the, the majority of the Psalms? King David. You remember when David was anointed there in 1 Samuel? Did it happen immediately? Was he immediately king? No. <laughs> he faced some really dark times. Much of that running for his life from King Saul. And even your verse there on the top, this is more of a topical lesson, but it's one hot off the press. I've not given this one before. Even the verse there in Isaiah at the top comes out of a period of darkness where Isaiah says, Who among you fears the Lord 
and obeys his servant. If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Isaiah is basically saying, even if you're at the center of where God wants you, wants you to be, you will experience dark times. I can think of three audiences, at least for Isaiah's writings. Number one was the exiles who were in a foreign country outside of Israel. And they read Isaiah's writings and it says, hey, you may not understand why you're here. You may not understand what's going on. But in that time, trust in the Lord, draw close to him and rely on your God. It also speaks to the time when they came back to Israel before and during Jesus's ministry. And they're back in Israel, but they don't understand what's going on. The Romans are in charge and they're treating the Israelites like second class citizens. Lord, what is going on? Don't have all the answers, but the, he says, draw close to the Lord. And then finally, I can think of the disciples. When they went out and they started preaching in the first century Christians, this is an Old Testament ta text that they can refer to. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant, who is Jesus Christ? Even though you don't know what's going on with the persecution and the things that you are experiencing, draw near to Lord who has those circumstances in his hands. So we see that God, um, God has designed dark seasons and has designed them for a purpose. They're all through scripture. It's a part of his plan. Now, I know what many of you are asking, what are those purposes? What could God, what could God, how could God use a time of darkness for good? Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you four purposes for dark seasons in our lives. There are many more than that, but I want to cover four that God laid on my heart. And then we're going to talk about just some application at the end. If you are in a dark season now, I just want to give you some things to help you navigate through it that I have learned on the way. So we'll do that and then we'll cover the end and then we'll be out and many of you guys can go home and watch the Cowboys hopefully beat the Lions. So let's talk about purposes of dark seasons in our life, those, those periods of time where things don't go as we expect and we're not getting answers as to why. Number one, God uses dark seasons to prepare you. Dark season, he uses dark seasons to prepare you. Here you are and then you go on the timeline. I think I'm going the right way. Here you are and you're going down the timeline. Here's a future assignment for you. It may be one God has for you next month, next week, or even next year. But, but between now and then, God is in the business of preparing you for that assignment. Just as he prepared Joseph, just as he prepares David. And he uses both times of light, the good times, and times of darkness to prepare you for that role. And I know in many of the assignments that I have had from the Lord, they haven't happened right away, but God has used, his th has used things in my life to prepare me for those things, to mold me, to shape me, to, uh, and, and that, when he does that, it not necessarily means that everything is a bed of roses. It, sometimes he uses hard circumstances. And sometimes he uses even hard people, disagreeable people. You know, Pastor Chuck this morning 
talked about those in the, in the congregation who were tough. Well, sometimes you have to deal with them, but sometimes God can even use a disagreeable person in your life to mold you, shape you, humble you into the man or woman you're supposed to be for the assignment that he has for you. We see this in the life of Joseph and of David. And, and just think about it. Um, what do dark seasons do in your life when you've gone through one? Does it help your prayer life? It sure helps mine. Sometimes God will use a dark season in my life to drive me through to my knees. It strengthened my faith and trust in the Lord, even when I didn't understand what was going on and why things were going on. And it's helped mold and shaped my character. And again, we've seen it in the life of Joseph. We see it in the life of David. And I've seen it in my own life. I can remember when I was going to move to Dallas to go to Dallas Seminary. And I had, you know, had a wife and two small children, two little girls. And I, you know, I knew I was going to move, so I was in the process of working myself out of a job in Tennessee. And, and while I was working myself out of my job, I found a potential job in Dallas. I found a neighborhood where I wanted to move, and I found a school for my... I had all my plans set in stone. Here's how it's going to work. And guess what? A few months before I was supposed to move, all three fell through. The job disappeared, and we couldn't afford to live in the neighborhood we had picked. It was a very dark time. In fact, one of my friends said, let me get this straight. You're moving to Dallas. Where are you going to work? I don't know. Where's your daughter going to school? I'm not sure yet. Where are you going to live and how are you going to afford it? I don't know. And he looked at me and he said, this doesn't sound like it's going to come together. That was a very dark time because I felt like I was out on a limb and I was sawing off the limb because I was working myself out of a job. And I had gone past the point of no return. So I, I hit my knees, and man, I was so focused, praying to the Lord, crying out to the Lord, and it drove me to absolutely come to the point where I said, Lord, if this is going to happen, you're going to have to make this happen because I don't have any more answers. And sure enough, in the right place, in the right time, God brought my job. God brought the neighborhood and the house, and I'm not going to walk you through all the details. It was a God thing. And the house was only three miles from my job and four miles from seminary here in Dallas. It was perfect. And then God provided a school in the very church where I got a job for my daughter in Highland Park with a 90% staff discount. Now, I say all that to say praise the Lord, but here's the deal. The month and a half when I was in the dark before that happened, I was really, really uh, going through a dark time. But God used that to prepare me to live by faith, to trust in his providence. It wasn't something that I could just come and learn from an expository preacher. He wanted me to learn it in my heart by taking me through the experience. And sometimes those lessons we learn that really sear into our hearts just because of darkness or pain are some of those the best lessons that we learn. Because it's not just head knowledge, it's heart knowledge because you've lived through it. So God uses this, uses dark times to 
prepare you. He did, he's done it through all scripture and he's still doing it today. That's why I get very suspicious of preachers that characterize the Christian life as a bed of roses and constantly under God's favor. Yes, you are under God's favor, but sometimes that favor means you have to walk through a season of darkness and go through some struggle and go through some stuff. But God uses it in his grace to make us more like Christ and to prepare us for assignments to come. So number one, he uses it to prepare us. Number two, God uses dark seasons to teach us to teach us, particularly lessons about himself. God is, I wish I had one. I was meant to bring a ring pop or something. Have you ever, God is like a precious diamond or gem. You ever looked at one and, and you know, one that's multifaceted and it's just beauty and you hold it up to the light and you turn it and every time you turn it, you see a different facet of beauty. God is that way. God has so many different facets to his character, his grace, his love, his sovereignty, his gentleness, his patience. And sometimes God uses a dark season to reveal a new facet of his character, of who he is to you. Sometimes you have to go through the dark to see God in a whole new light. Let me give you some examples. Have you heard the phrase Jehovah Jireh? Does anyone know what that means? Jehovah Jireh. God with the provider. Do you know who originally said that? Abraham. Do you know when he said it? When he was on the way, he was on the way up to the mountain with his son in tow, God had said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. God is always good, but a very dark time for Abraham. This is God's promise to me. This is my long-awaited boy. Why is God asking me to do this? He gets up there, he binds Isaac, he's ready, and God stops him and says, no, now that I see that I'm number one in your life, don't do it. Then what happened next? Abraham hears a rustle in the thicket, and he sees a ram caught in the thicket, brings out the ram, sacrifices the ram, and he's caught, and he named Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. But notice that he had to take Abraham through that dark season in order to reveal himself to Abraham in that way. Same thing with El Roy. El Roy, a lesser known name, it means the God who sees me. Does anybody know earlier in Genesis who gave God that name? Hagar. That's right. Remember what happened to Hagar? Um, Sarah and Abraham tried to jumpstart the process of the promised heir by, by giving Abram or Abraham Hagar. She became pregnant, had a son. Um, Sarah gets mad and jealous, boots him out, says they got to leave. So Abraham sends uh, this, this lady, Hagar, along with her young son out into the wilderness. And at that time, if you were sent out, it was almost a death sentence. Uh, Hagar sitting there weeping, and the angel of the Lord appears to her to answer her prayer. And you know what she names God? She names him Elroy. You are the God who sees me. I'm not just a number. I'm not just a dot on the map. 
you see who I am and where I am and what I'm going through. The only way she gave that title to God is for him to take her through a dark season or dark period to reveal to her a new facet of himself. And we have to learn these for ourselves. Uh, just to go back to my seminary experience, um, when we were, I was getting ready to move to seminary, we put our house on the market in March in Tennessee, and, it's, and it, we're waiting for it to sell. It didn't sell, and we had to move to Dallas in July and start making rental payments here while making mortgage payments there. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on here? I've seen you've called me to move. This is draining my bank account. And I had enough money to pay the mortgage in Tennessee through that December. So I put it on in March. I had enough money to pay through December. So we were really skimping. We were in line at DTS, what they call Luke's Closet, because just to get groceries for the week. We really, and it came time in August to pay for seminary, the reason God called, and I'm like, how are we going to do this? And I knew I didn't want to put it on my credit card. I mean, how many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey? I mean, I came this close to plastic surgery. All my, all my credit cards were paid off, but there was no other way for me to pay for seminary. And so I put it on my card, and I was like, Lord, don't you see what's going on? I'm getting back into death. Lord, don't you see what's going on? What is happening? But then I had to come to a point of peace with the Lord and said, all right, I'll just back up and do it. Two things happened. One is the week before, the Friday before the credit card payments was due, we got a check in the mail from a life insurance company that had gone public that we had a policy with. And nine months before, they sent me a postcard and said, when we go public, do you want shares or do you want money? I checked money, put it in an envelope, mailed it back to them, forgot about the whole thing. That Friday, I got that check in the mail. It was for the, listen, the exact amount of the money that I needed for tuition minus $100. But putting that charge on my credit card kicked in the cash back, and I got $100 back from the credit card company. <laughs> the, uh, the exact amount. Not immediately. There was the dark period where I was like, Lord, what's going on? Let me extend that just a little. Um, so, t you know, he pays, he, pay, he pays for seminary that semester. But then I'm like, all right, God, after December, I'm running out of money here. What am I going to do? And sure enough, my house in Cleveland finally sold December the 28th. And it sold for 25% more than we paid for it. I was able to use the extra money, put it in a money market account, and use that money the four years I was in seminary to pay for my seminary. And do you know when that account ran, do you know when that account ran dry? May 2005, when I graduated. Now, I'm telling you, October, November, I've got sleepless nights going on because I don't like financial uncertainty, but God walked me through that process to teach me something about myself. I knew he was Jehovah Jireh in the Bible, but sometimes God's got to walk you through your own dark season so that you see that he's Jehovah Jireh 
in your life. Or he's El Roy, the God who sees in your life. Or he's Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner in your life. So God uses dark seasons to prepare you. God uses dark seasons to teach you. And again, sometimes you have to go through the dark to see God in a whole new light. Number three, God uses dark seasons to direct you. To direct you. I mean, you can just go back to Joseph and see how these random events, him getting sold into slavery, him being put into Potiphar's house, him being thrown into prison, weren't random events. They were certainly dark events. Nobody wants to be sold into slavery. Nobody wants to be falsely accused of rape and adultery like he was in Potiphar's house and thrown into prison. But God used those dark times to direct him and had him exactly where God wanted him. For when Pharaoh had the dream, Joseph went from the basement to the penthouse in God's timing. Specifically about direction with my own experience, I've had experience in dark seasons that have been seasons of waiting for me. Waiting. And the whole deal of closed doors and open doors. And let me give you one example. When I graduated seminary, I was working in a church. But I knew that job was going to end in a few months. Um, in fact, it was going to end in six months. And I had that time to try to find another job. And I prayed and I prayed. And I had interview after interview. And nothing seemed like a fit. And the ones that did seem like a fit. And I thought they were slam dunks. In fact, in one, of the, uh, in one of the interviews, the pastor broke down crying because he said, David, I feel like you're the guy. I feel like you're here for such a time as this. And it was for a missions pastor position in Iowa. And I thought, well, this is it. And then he calls me back a week later and says, the committee really wants to see that you've got more experience. I'm sorry. So closed door after closed door, wait. Wait, wait. But little did I know while that was going on and I was over here in the holding tank waiting on the Lord, God was providentially, without me knowing, putting together his plan for me to transition to Avantel. Everything from the new position that was created to the December, the last month I had at my old job, for the money to be donated for that position from an anonymous source. And God moved me right into that position. Now, do you know what? Looking back, that was a tough time of darkness because I thought, Lord, you come into seminary and all these things are closing. All these doors are closing. These are good positions. And it was tough when I was in it. But now, do you know what? I look back in retrospect and I'm like, thank God those doors were closed. Thank God he had me waiting on him trusting in him for him to get me to the right place at the right time and to see his providence both working in me developing me and working the circumstances without my even knowing it for when god brought me to that position for such a time as this it was from him and you're talking about confidence when you know you're called to an assignment like that and you see god's hand in it and how he set everything up for you it makes you excited, but it really humbles you because you're like, Lord, I'm just going into this as your servant. 
Here we go. So he uses dark seasons to direct you. Finally, number four, God uses dark seasons to equip you to share Jesus with other people. God uses, you knew I'd have to throw in some evangelism here. Um, God uses dark seasons to equip you to share Christ with others. And when you're sharing Christ with others, whether you're encouraging someone or whether you're sharing someone, you're sharing the gospel, don't just share the victories that you've had. Don't just share the high, share some of the struggles that you had and how God was glorified in getting you through those hard times. Some of my most effective testimonies came through dark times that I had. My, my total fear of death and dying, uh, my addiction to stuff and wanting to make a lot of money. Some of those dark times, and man, the, the, the process God used to rid me of that, it was a real dark experience, but praise God he did it. Some of those are the, are the best testimonies you can share, particularly with the upcoming generations. Because the upcoming generations don't just want to hear all the victories. They want to hear your struggles. They want you to be real with them. Tell me what it was like when you went through this hard time during your life. And so I'm, what I'm saying is sometimes he'll use these dark stories and the, these dark seasonal stories to equip you so that you can share with someone else who may be going through a similar dark season in their own life. And I don't know about you, people give advice all the time. The real precious advice that I get are from people who have been through some stuff, who have had some hardship in their life, who have struggled but come out on the other side in a deeper commitment and a deeper faith with the Lord. So four things, he uses dark seasons to prepare us, to teach us, to direct us, and to equip us to share Christ with other people. Now let me get to the end here. If you're in a dark season right now, let me give you about five things just that I've learned along the way. I'm sure some of you could stand up here and add to this list. You may even come up with a better list. But here's the list that God laid on my heart. If you're going through a dark season, number one, remember what I've just told you that God uses dark seasons in our life for his purposes, for his purposes, both in his providential sovereign plan as well as his plan in your life. Now, here's the deal, though. If you're going through a dark time, you may not realize immediately the purpose for which you're going through that dark time. Sometimes those experiences are better seen in the rearview mirror. After you've been through it, you look back and you see the hand of God, what he was doing in their life, and you're able to take those riches with you. But sometimes when you're in it, um, it's tough and you don't know the purpose immediately. But here's what you can count on, though, if you're going through a hard time or you're going through a dark season. Number one, you can count on the fact that God is still on his throne. He hasn't lost grips on your circumstances. He is still in charge. He is sovereign over everything in this world. Number two, you can count on the fact that he sees you and he loves you as you're walking through that season. And you can count also, and look up this verse later. You, some of you have known it by heart. Count on Romans 8.28. 
You guys know this verse? It, everybody should memorize it. It should be a well-worn page in your Bible. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. Not just God causes some things, the good things, he uses what? Everything, light, dark, good, bad, to work together for what? That we will have good, happy, positive lives? No, not necessarily. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. <laughs> you know, when you got kids, sometimes it's, it's not all uh, parties and roses. Sometimes you have, to, you have to discipline them. Sometimes you have to train them. It's not always easy. Same thing with our Heavenly Father and us. Sometimes what's best for us may be through a, allowing us to go through a dark season. Because God sees the other side, what it's going to do in our lives, and the part that it's going to play in his plan. So number one, remember, if you're going through a dark time, that God uses dark seasons in our life for his purposes. And really memorize Romans 8.28. He uses everything, good and bad, just like he uses every season of the year for his purposes. He uses every season in our lives. Number two, when you're in a dark season, remember that God is with you. God is with you. Um, Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me and your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And when you're in that dark season, know that God is walking with you through it. Not necessarily to remove you from it, but to walk with you through it. And that's why I encourage you, draw close to God. Sometimes when we go through dark seasons, we, we drift from God. We're like, how could you let this happen, God? How could you do this? Or where are you? I feel so distant. Don't let it distance you from God. Use it as a time to draw close to your shepherd who walks with you and when you draw close to him and you stay in the word and you stay in fellowship god you'll find that god will give you light but he'll only give you the light that he thinks you need for that particular moment psalm uh, 119 105 says thy word is a what lamp into thy feet it doesn't mean he's turning on all the lights and you see everything no a lamp, flashlight for my feet, and a light to my path. Draw close to him, and he will give you the light that he knows that you will need in that situation. Number three, if you're in a dark period, examine your life. Examine your life. And let me give you two ways to do that. Examine your life. Ask yourself, have I, have I been drifting from the Lord? Is my fellowship with the Lord not as sweet? Am I skimping on my quiet times? Or am I not in this word as much? Or has it become an obligation rather than a blessing to me? Because sometimes God will let you walk into a dark period just to awaken you and bring you back to him. So examine your life. Are you still tracking with the Lord? I promise you, if you feel like you're distanced from God, it's not because he moved. 
It's always, oh, even though it's hard to swallow that pill sometimes and say, it's me, it's because you did examine your life for that and examine your life to see if there's an area of your life where you ran ahead of God. Have you guys ever run ahead of God in your thoughts? Well, God will certainly work it this way out this way. He's going to do this, and then he's going to do this, and this is the way it's going to be. And then when we start, you know, times goes by, we see that plan not working out, and we feel like, well, what in the world is going on? Make sure you're not running ahead of God in your own plans because you don't want to obligate God to something that he never agreed to in the first place. So examine your life. So number one, remember that he uses dark season for his purposes. Number two, remember that he's with you. Number three, examine your life. Number four, seek counsel from others. Seek counsel from others, but not from everybody. Because if you go to every person, they'll have everybody will have a different opinion about what is going on in your life, and then you'll become even more confused. Go to those who you know have a deep walk with the Lord. And you know who I gravitate to? I gravitate to those people who have been through some stuff in life, who have been through some hardships, who have faced some darkness themselves. And more than not, those people are the best comfort for me. They can provide perspective, and they will point me back to the Lord and say, David, I can't answer all your questions, but let me pray for you. I want to point you back to God who does have the answers and will give them. So seek counsel from others. And by the way, on this, um, when you're in a dark period, don't forget what God has told you in the light. Don't forget what God, the promises that he made, his word, the things that you've learned in the light, still apply in the darkness, even though you don't feel like uh, they're there. Um, just because I don't see the sun because of clouds doesn't mean the sun is not there. And sometimes we have the clouds of circumstances in our life or the clouds of feelings and we feel like, is God still there? Does he still care? Does this still true? Is the promise still hold? Absolutely it does. He's still there like the sun is there. Don't forget what he's told you in the light when you're in the dark. And finally, number five, if you're going through a dark season, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't let it push you away from God. Use that time to draw near to Him. Just like those plants that may be dormant on the outside, if you're going through a dark time, use it to deepen your roots in the Lord, to draw closer to the Lord in prayer, in fervent prayer, in Bible study. And if you do so, you will find that God is just as trustworthy in the dark as he is in the light because there is no darkness with God. He sees, he, he's aware of everything, no matter if it's dark or light to you. And let me tell you, you know when you've arrived in this area, and this is my closing statement, you know when you've arrived, when your relationship with God and your your joy in just spending time with him becomes more important to you than having all your questions answered and it becomes more important to you than having all your circumstances work out the way you want to. How often do we get in a jam or we go through a dark season and we come to God and we have this list? You know, God, why am I not getting the answers? God, please do this, please do that. And sometimes we leave it there my challenge to you is if you're going through a dark season, make the priority just spending time with him. 
and worship and prayer and praise and drawing close and trust in him that in his good timing and in his good way and good providence, he will provide the answers that you need. Even though he may not answer all your questions, he, as your good heavenly father, is walking with you and provides. And you want to get it to the point where you can say, as the hymn writer did, Horatio Stafford, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you're feeling, it is well with my soul. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful class. Lord, they're like a spiritual family to me, and I just thank you for the class as a whole, uh, their mindset for missions, as well as uh, just the blessings they've been to Evangel and me personally. God, thank you for this word, and, and Lord, this is something that we, we're, we're, we use throughout our Christian life until you call us home, God. And we just thank you for how faithful you are. And that you are our Father who does not abandon us, who does not orphan us, orphan us, if that's even a verb, uh, orphan, leave us as orphans. But you walk with us through the light, times of light and through the times of darkness, through the mountaintops and through the valleys. And I pray specifically right now for those people in this group who are going through a dark season now. Those people who may have announced it in the form of a prayer request or they're keeping it a secret, God, but you know their heart and you know where they are in life, God. I pray that you would make your presence real to them. I pray that you would draw them to yourself and Lord, that you would use their circumstances both for your glory and your plan as well as their own personal development and their relationship with you, God. Um, you've laid these words on my heart, but yet you know each individual case and where it applies. And I pray that you would do that even now. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for this wonderful weather, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, David. And thanks for the, the way that God is multiplying our support of your Evantel ministry. We, just, we thank you for that, and thank you for all that you're doing in, in the world. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>